Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henley. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Daniel chapter 2 is where we are at in our study. Our passage today is Daniel chapter 2, verse 24 through 49. Our message is entitled, But There is a God in Heaven. Daniel chapter 2, verse 24. The message is, But There is a God in Heaven. I'm always the last one there to give you time. Verse 24, it begins. It says, Therefore Daniel went in to Arioch. Now, last time that we were together, we remember that King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And, and it was a bad dream, and he wasn't able to get any sleep, and he was so troubled that he was desperate to get an answer to this dream. And so he gathered all his counselors and advisors together and, and said, listen, I, I need you to interpret my dream. I, I need the answer to what this means. And so his counselors and his advisors said, sure, King, no problem. You know, tell us what your dream is and, and we'll interpret it. We, we have means to do that. No problem, King. We'll, we'll take care of you. And the king said, no, that's not the way it's going to go down. <laughs> he said, you know, listen, if, if you have access to the gods, then, then you will be able to tell me my dream as well as interpret it for me. And then he kind of kicked it up a notch and he said, in fact, if you do not, <laughs> then I'll know that you guys are just a bunch of liars and, and I don't need you in my court and so I'm going to kill you and wipe out your households. And so Arioch here is the captain of the king's guard, and he has been sent out to kill the wise men and the counselors, and he ultimately finds Daniel and his friends, and, and Daniel responds to the captain with wisdom and tact, the word says, and and so he gains a hearing, and so Ariok kind of explains what the king is, is doing and why he's in such a hurry. And, and so ultimately, Daniel then goes into the king and says to the king, listen, just, just give me a time, and I will find the interpretation for you. And so God granted him favor with the king, and the king said, okay. And so then Daniel came back to him and his buddies, and he says, listen, man, we, we got to have a prayer meeting here. <laughs> you know, we, we need to hear from God. We better, we need to get on our face before God. And they, and they did. And God gave Daniel the answer. He gave Daniel the dream and its interpretation. And so that is where we're at now. That brings us up to speed uh, to where we're beginning today. Verse 24 again. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king. 
and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Now, I don't want us to miss something here, and that is this. Now, at this point, uh, think about this. Daniel knows what the dream is, right? He, he knows what the interpretation is. That is, he could have easily said at this moment, yeah, King, I, I got your answer, you know. Uh, so glad you asked me, you know. And, and you know, I, before I tell you, you know, can, can we revisit, you know, what is that benefit package you were going to lay out, you know, I mean. That, that is, he could have easily, easily promoted himself. He could have easily taken a little credit for himself. He could have easily just kind of bumped himself up, elevated himself up over the other counselors in Babylon. He could have, he could have looked to increase his reward package from the king, but, but Daniel doesn't do any of that. Verse 27. Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. That is, king, these guys can't give you the answer. And listen, in fact, I can't give you the answer either. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. That is, Daniel had an opportunity here. He had, he had a platform that God gave him, that God prepared for him for, for this time, for this place. And what does Daniel do? With this opportunity, he points people to God. And so listen, likewise, you and I, God will give us an opportunity. God will grant us a platform. God has prepared us for this place and for this time, and he will put us in that moment. He will put us in that conversation at our job or at the school or in our community or wherever, and we will have the opportunity to say, I I have the answer, but listen, you need to understand it is not my answer. This answer comes from the Lord. And so listen, Daniel has an opportunity and he doesn't waste it. He, he's not ashamed 
There's no other believers around. He is in a pagan, pagan culture. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid of the most powerful man on earth. He speaks boldly and proclaims the sovereignty of his God. Fear God and you don't have to fear anything else, friends. Verse 28 again. But there is a God in heaven who reveals what? Mysteries. Mysteries. That is again, Daniel directs the king to God for his answer. And, and so again, that's, that's kind of what we need to do as well. You know, when when people come to us and, you know, they're, they're asking us, you know, uh, I don't know what to do and, you know, how should I respond here and can, can you help me? Do you, do you know what to do? Do you have an answer? And, and so our response should be something like, you know, well, I... I can give you some advice, but listen, it's not my advice. I I can tell you what God would have to say to you. I, I can share with you what God's word would say to you. And ultimately, friend, listen, I, I can't ultimately help you with your need because your need is even greater than what you're asking but there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who can meet your need. And so listen, listen, if you will just come to him, listen, if you would just stop fighting him and surrender, if you would just quit pushing back and say, God, I am yours. He will step in and do an amazing work in your life. Listen, if you would just surrender and quit calling the shots and quit putting one foot in and one foot out, quit saying, yeah, I'll follow you, but I really want my way. Quit trying to control the outcome of your life. If you would just say, Lord, I am yours. I am stepping off the throne of my life. You are king. I am trusting in you. Then God will begin a great work in your life, and he will direct you, and he will meet Every need you have. There's a God in heaven. And he has the power to break your addictions. And he has the power to set you free. And he has the power to heal you physically, spiritually, emotionally. Wounds that you can't even see. He has answers 
too deep for you to even put in words to meet in your life. There is a God in heaven who can repair your marriage. There is a God in heaven who can bring that prodigal child back home. There is a God in heaven who always does what is right and good. And so I say to you, brothers and sisters, trust him, seek him, obey him, trust him, seek him, obey him. You have a God in heaven. He is your answer. He will meet your every need. Oh, he reveals the secrets of our heart, does he not? If you have let him in, you know he strips you. (laughs) He strips you to the core, baby. There's no hiding when the light shines within. Verse 28 again. But there's a God in heaven. Praise God. Who reveals mysteries and he, he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Now this had to blow the king away. Daniel is about to reveal his most inner thoughts that only he knows. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thoughts of what would be after this, that is, after Nebuchadnezzar's time, his reign. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. That is, Daniel is saying, God revealed to you what is to happen in the future. Verse 30. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, listen, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living. And so here we see once again the humility of Daniel, how he is totally trying to get out of the picture and say, listen, there is nothing special about me. Listen, this is not coming from me, king. This is not me speaking. This is the God of heaven revealing this to you. This is the God of heaven speaking directly to you. I I want you to understand, king, I'm just like you. I'm no different than you are. I'm just a vessel. This is not my message. This is God revealing himself to you. Verse 30, again. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Verse 31, you saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, 
its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet, the gold. Altogether were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And so Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar the dream. He describes the image that King Nebuchadnezzar saw, and he says there was a statue And it was bright, it was blinding, it was awe-inspiring, it was was frightening. And he begins to describe it from head to toe, and, and he describes these materials that descend in value as he describes them from the head to the toes, and the head was made of clay, or made of gold all the way down to the feet, made of clay. And then he says, there was a stone. There was a stone that came into the picture that was not cut by human hands, and it impacted that statue and literally obliterated it into dust, and it was blown away. And then that stone became a mountain that ultimately filled the whole earth. Verse 36, Daniel says, this was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory into whose hand he is given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. And so Daniel begins to interpret the dream, and he says, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. The Babylonian kingdom is the head. And it is represented by gold because it was absolute power. King Nebuchadnezzar ruled the world with absolute power. All power was centralized in King Nebuchadnezzar. And so ultimately there are going to be subsequent world kingdoms that will rule over the earth, but their power will be less. Their power will be more dispersed, and so that is reflected in the descending value of materials on the statue. Verse 39 continues. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And so following the Babylonian kingdom, we know that the Medo-Persian 
kingdom arose. And the Medo-Persian kingdom is represented by the arms of silver. And there's two arms. And so that kingdom was made out of two, kingdom, or two nations, the Medes and the Persians. And so listen, that was a monarchical oligarchy. That is, it had a king but it also had some nobles, and those nobles would have some equal say in some of the affairs of that kingdom. And so the power was a little bit more dispersed, and thus it is represented by silver. It continues. Verse 39, And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth, that is following the Medo-Persian Empire came the Greek Empire. And the Greek Empire was a monarchical oligarchy as well, but it was even more dispersed because it had an aristocracy that also had power, and so it is represented by bronze. It's interesting to note that Alexander the Great, who conquered and established the Grecian Empire, Listen, the weapons that he used were weapons of bronze. Verse 40. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And so the fourth kingdom is the kingdom of, of Rome. And the fourth kingdom is represented by iron because it was a democratic imperialistic society. And so the power was d- dispersed that much more. Interestingly enough, the, the armies of Rome were referred to the iron legions of Rome. That is, the Roman Empire was established by military power, it was maintained by military power by iron. And so ultimately, listen, those world kingdoms, those world-dominating kingdoms have, have come and gone. And there has never been another world kingdom like the Roman Empire since the Roman Empire existed. But some have tried, right? Napoleon tried, Hitler tried, Stalin tried, but... It hasn't happened, but listen, the Bible says it will. Daniel is revealing to us here that it will, that there will be one day in the future, hear me, a revived Roman Empire, a new world order. Verse 41 Daniel describes this new world order here in verse 41. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron 
does not mix with clay. So there is a new coming global governance. There is a new coming world order. And Daniel says it will ultimately be made up of 10 kings. It will ultimately be made up of 10 nations or 10 regions or a mix of those things. But 10 powers will basically divide the world up into those uh, 10 significant powers ruling the world. And, and so ultimately, uh, it will look, you know, something like NATO, something like, you know, the European Union, but it is going to have something in the sense that it looks like Rome in terms of its power, but it's going to be fragile. It's not going to be as strong. Verse 44. And in the days of those kings, that is those 10 kings, that is the last days. The Bible makes it clear that in the last days that there will once again be a one world government. There will once again be a one world kingdom a global governance, a new world order that will rule over the earth. It will rule over all the globe. And so listen, it will be the Antichrist kingdom. And it will be made up of nations. And those nations will come together because there will be a need. There will be a sense that global problems, listen, need global answers. And so we, we need to come together to address these things, to, to solve these things. And, and so if you're a discerning person at all, then listen, you, you see all of this being put into place right now in our time. You look around and, and you see, I mean, it's, it's creepy. It's like we're all playing from the same playbook. It is the same messaging across the board. The Bible ultimately says this one government will rule over all. And, and it's interesting, you know, as you look around the, at the world, it just seems like, you know, the, the, there's fire on every front, doesn't it? It seems like it's just like full court press on every front. There's, there's chaos everywhere, and we're looking, and it's like our leaders' responses, that they don't make any sense, right? It's like they want it to increase. It's like they, they want it to go that way. They, they, they want it to amp up in order to reset, in order to usher in the global governance that they believe must happen in order to save humankind, in order to save our planet. And so listen, all these kings and all these presidents, they all have their own agendas. But listen, they all also believe that 
global problems are going to need global answers. And so there's this coordinated effort. But it's fragile because they all have competing interests in the game. And so there's this call, though. There's this call. Listen, we, we got to come together. We, we, we got to solve these things. We, we got to solve climate change. We, we've got to solve world hunger. We've got to create social equality for our planet. We've got to create economic stability across the world. We need a digital economy. We need a one world currency so that it's not upset by the geopolitical problems. And so we need to come together and they're calling it blockchain. It's coming quick. And that is the central banks of all the major uh, nations are going to issue a digital currency and their chain block so that ultimately they function like a world currency so that stabilizes the market. And so the idea is then that's easier, that's more comfortable, but obviously it's obviously easier for them to control us with it. So we need that one world currency, man, because we need stability. And so listen... We see all of this stuff happening. You know, I've, I've been preaching this stuff for 30 years. And when I used to preach this stuff 30 years ago, people would go, uh-huh, uh-huh, you know, whatever, pastor. We see it happening like never before. I mean, the world is clamoring for it, and it's, it's looking for a hero to, to solve everything. It's looking for, for that man to step in and solve. I mean, we're looking at Zelensky. He's a, he's a Ukrainian Hollywood dude, and he's the hero? Are you kidding me? That's, but, but we're clamoring for this, and listen, it's going to happen. The world will have what it craves. Now I'm going to show you a video, and I could have read all the articles that are in this video because I have them. And I chose to use this video because, again, I'm a pastor, and so everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. This person in this video, this newscaster, is a very, very well-respected uh, journalist. Uh, she's not a believer. She's a liberal. She is an atheist. She does not believe the Bible. Watch this. Well, everyone is talking about a new world order. What does that even mean? What will the new world order look like? Who will control it? What has been touted as a right-wing conspiracy theory for the past few decades is now just loosely falling out of the mouths of global leaders everywhere. But before we get to the various world leaders touting a new world order, including Biden, Putin, Xi Jinping, the World Economic Forum, and others, let's talk about the people claiming it's a big conspiracy theory. The Anti-Defamation League categorizes the phrase new world under order under extremism, terrorism, and bigotry. They define it as, quote, a term used to refer to a right-wing conspiracy theory that became popular among anti-government extremists from the 1990s onwards. New World Order conspiracists believe that a tyrannical socialist one-world conspiracy has already taken over most of the planet and schemes to eliminate the last bastion of freedom, the United States, with the help of collaborators within the government. 
through repressive measures as well as manufactured crises such as terrorist attacks and pandemics, the globalist conspirators seek to eliminate dissent and to disarm Americans so that the New World Order can move in and enslave them. New World Order conspiracists also commonly believe that hundreds of concentration camps have been built in the U.S. ready to house dissenters, that the government will declare martial law, possibly on a pretext such as responding to a terrorist attack, and that the government will engage in mass gun confiscations. That sounds nuts, right? But if we rephrase it with, with fewer charged words, for example, let's replace tyrannical and socialist with authoritarian, change enslave with control, and swap out putting dissenters into concentration camps with something like silencing them on social media. It suddenly doesn't sound that insane. During the pandemic, many of us lost our freedoms. And in the recent era, we've seen dissenters put in jail, like Julian Assange and various protesters. Now, despite the ADL claiming the idea of a new world order as a conspiracy theory touted by conspiracy theorists, interestingly, numerous world leaders have been throwing the idea around. If you remember, just a few days ago, Biden was talking about a new world order forming. Here he is. You know, we are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy. Not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of as the uh, one of the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946, and uh, since then we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. So anyway. Now, immediately, elite media rolled their collective eyes and said, oh, great, his innocent use of a phrase is just fodder for conspiracy theorists. Okay, maybe. But then, just these past few days, the World Government Summit convened in Dubai. It's a summit similar to the World Economic Forum. In fact, the two organizations are closely tied, and the key organizers are also members and young global leaders within the WEF. The two organizations are similar in that they both gather together the rich and the powerful to discuss the world's problems and how to solve them. This one is put on by a group of Emirati government officials. And this year's 2022 summit took on an eye-raising title. And the title of this session, Are We Ready for a New World Order? Well, even Klaus Schwab ran a commercial at the summit touting a new world order. Take a look at this. سرعة التغيير القادمة أكبر بكثير مما نتوقع. I see a future where the internet is available for free for everyone, and that means the location of power is going to shift. Decentralization of power structures everywhere may be the beginning of that shift in finance, in political power. We have to uphold our responsibility. Which we have towards the next generation. Okay, so now we have Joe Biden, Emirati leaders, and Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum all talking about the new world order forming. What next? Well, it turns out the Chinese and the Russians have been talking about it as well. In fact, the two nations just got together yesterday and declared that they're building a new democratic world order together. 
And I, I just want to say that as much as I find much of the propaganda spewed by mainstream media false regarding these two countries, one thing is accurate. These are not free nations. They crack down on dissent, jail dissidents. China even controls how many kids you can have. A new world order run by these two sounds a lot like what has been touted by the people labor, labeled conspiracy theorists. Yet here we are. And with China buying out everyone in every industry, it raises concerns as to how much influence they have over the world. I think it's time to pay attention to the conspiracy theorists, especially as Russia and China force the world away from the petrodollar and into the new petroruble or petroyuan. Imagine a new world order under China. Would it be a tyrannical socialist world using repressive measures, eliminating dissent and disarming its citizens? Would there be concentration camps housing dissenters? Doesn't sound so nuts anymore now, does it? Sure doesn't. There will be a new world order. There will be a global governance. It is coming. They're not even shy about it anymore. They're still saying, oh, no, 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 it's not that. And yet they continue to move in that direction. And ultimately, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that these 10 kings will ultimately hand their authority, their power over to one man. And the book of Revelation reveals that that man is Satan incarnate. He is completely full of the devil. And he will rule the world for a time. And, and he is called the Antichrist. And so people ask, well, who is it? I don't know. But I would want to remind us, church, as we talk about these things, as we unveil these things, listen, you and I, we're not looking for the Antichrist. <laughs> We're looking for Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says he's coming for us first. We will be raptured. See, listen, this is the great hope of the church. But in the meantime, listen, hear me clearly. Because this has been a problem with the church. Hey, I'm saved. I don't care about anybody else. That's not what Jesus says. In the meantime, Jesus says we need to occupy until he comes. That is, in the meantime, we stand for his truth. We preach his truth. We fight for truth and righteousness in this world until he returns. We, we don't sit back and let this world go to hell in a handbasket and people with it. We advance the kingdom of God by the power of God, by the word of God, until the trumpet sounds and our Savior comes for us. That is what we are called to do. We are called to be his people. We are called to walk in victory. We are called to Stand on the truth because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So don't be dismayed. Don't be afraid. Daniel wasn't. He stood boldly and proclaimed his God. Fear God, my friends, and we do not need to fear anything else. What can mere man do to us? Verse 44. 
And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms, bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. That is, the Antichrist will rule. He's going to have his kingdom, but this new world order will be crushed by something. Verse 45, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. So what's going to crush this kingdom? A rock. Well, what kind of rock? A stone. Well, what kind of stone? A stone that's not cut by human hands. Well, who's that? Jesus. The Bible says, speaking of Jesus, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. 1 Samuel 2 says, there is no God like our God. There is no rock like our God. Matthew 7 says, you have to build your house on the rock. Listen, Jesus is the rock, and he is going to obliterate the kingdom of Antichrist into oblivion. And then Daniel goes on to say the stone becomes a mountain that fills the entire earth. And so that is speaking of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God will eclipse, over, <laughs> overrun, overrule over every other kingdom before it. And it will be a final kingdom and it will stand forevermore. Verse 45 continues, a great God is made known to the king. What shall be after this? The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and an incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of the kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. That is, you know, Daniel wanted the glory to go to God, and it did, and so that's really cool. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon Daniel made a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. And so Daniel was promoted. James 4.10 says, if we will humble ourselves before the Lord, he will exalt us in due time. Daniel didn't go before the king in order to find a promotion in order to get a promotion. That, that wasn't his agenda. That, that wasn't his goal. He simply went to be faithful. And in a moment, God raised him up. 
And so listen, isn't it amazing, for good or for bad, isn't it amazing how everything can change in a moment? And so if I could maybe leave us with maybe a final thought, considering that, that listen, everything can change in a moment. So, so let's be like Daniel. Let's be found faithful. Listen, we can't control what's going to happen in our life. We can't control what is going on in the world around us, but you know what we can control? We can be control being found faithful in following our God. We can be found faithful in living for him. We can be found faithful in believing in him, serving him, giving to him, living fully for him in this life. So listen, whatever else is happening out here, listen, we can be found faithful. And I just want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, let's let's be faithful. Let's be faithful together. Listen, don't give up. God is with us. He is for us. He will reward you beyond any faithfulness that you bring to the table. And listen, he will lift us up in due time. He promises to do so. And so church, church, let's be faithful. We that's what we can do. We, we can be faithful together. And so when Jesus comes, that's, we're, we're found. We're found here. We're found lifting him up together. We're found, you know, putting him first in our marriage, putting him first in what we do in our day, putting him first in our life, that we are living fully in love with him. Found faithful faithful to our king, faithful to his kingdom that will stand forever. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.